Welcome to Live Life on Purpose with Jose and Jeff Feliciano from Feliciano Financial Group. In this podcast, brothers and certified financial planner professionals, Jose and Jeff, explain that money is just a tool to achieve the things you want in life, a tool to make the decision to live life on purpose. They draw from years of experience to demonstrate that when your money aligns with your goals, you can live a purposeful life. Because when your vision is clear, your decision is easy. Hello and welcome to Live Life on Purpose with Jose and Jeff Feliciano. On the last podcast, I gave a little bit of a teaser uh, because the guys sent me a document. It's called Pursuing a Better Investment Experience, Key Principles to Improve Your Odds of Success. Uh, And this document is available to anybody listening to this podcast, and we'll tell you how to get it at the end of the podcast here. Uh, But before we do that, Jose and Jeff, how are you guys? Wonderful. We're doing great. Thank you. Guys, in this document, you actually, you outline the key principles and it it shows that there's 10 here. Um, Is that all there is or do you think there's more or do we just kind of group all these together? There's a, there's a good eight to 10 core principles that if you can have a better understanding of the drivers to creating a successful investment experience mm-hmm. and um, common mistakes most people make and why, uh, then it does lead to a better, uh, higher probability of success from an investment standpoint. Well, here's the other thing that I really like is that the title, Pursuing a Better Investment Experience, the, the word experience really pops to me because most advisors will tell you, well, you want to do a better job of investing or we, we, we want to do a better job of investing for you, but they don't, ex- they don't talk about what the experience is. Investing is one thing, but the, the ride, the journey, the experience that you have during your entire investment life, that's a big deal. And I, I love the fact that these principles touch on all that, uh, you know, from emotions to, you know, what the media is reporting. So I, I want to dive into this with you pretty deep. Are you guys ready for that? Uh, yeah, that'd be great. All right. So Jeff, let, let's start with number one. What, what, what are we talking about with number one? Well, let me preface that by, by commenting on a couple of things. You know, sure. one, uh, based on our plan and what we're saving for, there's different buckets of money that's intended for different things. Mm-hmm. So depending on what we're saving for, what we're trying to accomplish, there's there, there's a portfolio management that has to take place uh, that uh, just the understanding that for every given level of risk that we're willing to take, there's an ideal mix, there's an ideal expected return. And I think the expectations is what's missed uh, more often than not of people not understanding those basic principles of investing, uh, risk involved with certain types of investing uh, investments and, you know, what investments fit in each of those buckets and things that I'm trying to plan for Mm -hmm. and the better understanding Uh, of the high-level key concepts, the better understanding of mistakes most people make and how they fit just leads to a better investment experience overall. All right. Well, I would add to, you know, know, when he talks about the three buckets of money uh, in different buckets for different purposes, you know, people do have a short-term bucket, you know, which is things that, that, you know, they need the money within the first two years or an emergency fund, uh, stuff like that. And then you've got your midterm bucket, things that you've already paid taxes on. Uh, how do we uh, structure that? And then, of course, a long-term bucket, your retirement plans and those things and how you allocate those. And there's there's some core beliefs that we believe in in the science of investing and 
I'll let Jeff just share the principles of that. Yeah, so, so you know, number one is in the concept of just embrace market pricing. Uh, the markets are efficient. Uh, there's not a secret uh, thing that the, the information is not readily available, you know, with publicly traded companies. Uh, you got to remember that for every stock that is bought, there's a willing seller on the other side mm. uh, that creates that, that, that market pricing, that, that creates that market efficiency in pricing. Okay. All right. So embracing market pricing is, is something that isn't probably a new concept for people. Um, why is that so important? Well, I mean, if you just think about the world of information and how you can Google just about anything and, and look at financials of publicly traded companies, there's mm -hmm. more information now at your fingertips than it, that there has ever been in the past. You know, so one actually goes with two. Uh, you know, you got to embrace market pricing. Uh, mm -hmm. We're in a world that information is, just, is at your fingertips. Um, you can Google just about anything. And the fact that for every buyer or seller of stock, there's someone on the other side willing to buy or sell the same stock. So it mm -hmm. just creates pricing efficiency. So, you know, number two is, is don't try to outguess the market. Uh, most people think that they're smarter than what the markets are. And I heard a quote one time that Warren Buffett said that really changed my perspective on investments and the markets. He says, the markets will do anything they need to do to prove the biggest number of people wrong hmm. at any given moment. <laughs> and when you think about elections, what do we think? Oh, no, you know, November elections, market's going to crash. If Biden wins, market's going to crash. And what happened? It did the opposite. They were saying the same thing with Trump when back in 2016. Uh, same thing in January with if with the Democrats winning uh, the two Senate seats in Georgia that the markets were going to crash. They're going to crash, and it didn't. Uh, so most of the time, we we have to separate our uh, emotional thinking of how we feel uh, and what happens with the markets and uh, with pricing and trying to outguess what we think may or may not happen. Mm -hmm. And I would add to that, Jeff, if you go over the, uh, uh, the don't try to outguess the market, uh, like you had just talked about, and, um, you know, talked about the historical performances of that, if you want to touch on that. Yeah, you know, so, uh, you know, number one, uh, embrace market pricing. Number two, don't try to outguess the market. The market's going to do whatever it needs to do. Uh, to prove the biggest number of people wrong in any given moment. That's a good Buffett quote. You know, number three is uh, really resist chasing past performance. Uh, what most people do is, if you think about it, how do most people select their investments or their mutual funds or where to put money? Uh, most of the time we get a statement and we look at the one-year, the three-year, the 10-year returns, and whatever's performing the best, that's what we buy. Mm -hmm. um, you know, so we wind up chasing winners, uh, you know, and Buffett has a good quote too. He says that, uh, buy low, sell high. But when you think about what human behavior does, we look at our statement and we think to ourselves, man, this one's doing terrible, man, this one's really making some money. Let's sell more of the one that's down and buy more of the one that's up. And then we wind up doing the opposite just because that's how we invest money is we wind up letting our emotions drive those decisions and then we wind up chasing past performance and performance um, and it's usually the inverse of what we should be doing so how do we avoid that 
You know, and I want to just add to that real quick. That's probably one of the common, probably the biggest common mistakes that people make in their 401ks or through work or whatever the case may be. You may be, you may be allocated in five different funds and one fund. I just want to emphasize this is one fund did 20%, one fund did 10%, one fund was flat, another fund was minus 10%, and the other fund was minus 20%. And what do we have a tendency to do? We have a tendency to say, man, that one that did minus 20%, that must be horrible, so I'm going to take all that and buy the one that did plus 20%. Next thing you know, the next year that that that, uh, uh, sector of the market uh, went the other way. So you can't really time the market, and that's probably one of the biggest mistakes people make is chasing last year's return and that that no one can predict the future results but everybody can talk about last year's return but nobody could have predicted that that's what the outcome would have been mm-hmm. absolutely you know which 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 leads to number four um you know uh, let the markets work for you and just pay attention to what those drivers are and when i say that you know uh, there's a quote i can't remember who said it but it it was to the effect of all the markets are is they're just relocation centers. They just relocate wealth from the inpatient to the patient. And it's not so much timing the market of when you get in and when you get out. Maybe that's true on stock prices or individual stocks in the short run. But over time, uh, that's where the real money's made is being disciplined, uh, creating an investment strategy that's, that's diversified, and just let the markets do what they do over time. So when you look at those drivers of returns, I think it's more of just an understanding of how it works. So let me give you an example. So if you were to look over history uh, since the 1920s of, of what drives returns, there's a few things that drives it. Number one, obviously, is stock prices, so equities. Uh, so any portfolio that is tilted more towards equities or stocks, they tend to perform better over time. Mm. So depending on what your risk tolerance is and how comfortable you are with volatility, uh, to what degree does sacrificing some short-term volatility in exchange for long-term growth make sense, you know, then you determine, all right, how much stock exposure do I want to have or should I have inside of a portfolio to try to get better and bigger returns over time. The second is company size returns over time, uh, usually small caps outperform large caps over time. So any portfolio that's not just tilted towards stocks, but a little bit of a tilt towards small cap has been proven to. uh, Third is value. So if you look at growth companies relative to value companies, over time, historically, value has outperformed growth. What what do you mean by growth versus value? I don't understand uh, so growth companies, so big growth companies that are reinvesting into their capital uh, that are focused on growth, whereas value companies are companies that are perceived to be trading under book value that are usually more mature, more dividend-paying companies. Got it. Okay. Yeah, so, so difference in growth and value stocks. So growth stocks are the companies that are considered to have – really the potential to outperform the overall market because of their future potential. Got it. Whereas value stocks are really more classified as really companies that they are perceived to be trading below uh, what they're really worth, uh, therefore buying them at a better value mm. uh, relative to potential return and, and future return. Okay, that makes a lot of sense. 
you know, same on the fixed income side. When you think of fixed income, it's not just bonds. Uh, it could be money markets, CDs, treasuries, government bonds, corporate bonds, uh, investment grade bonds. So the drivers that, that attribute to return are usually uh, how long those bonds are. Uh, could be uh, their credit ratings, uh, how safe, secure, uh, how risky those bonds could be, as well as the currency. Are they insured? Are they not insured? And those are typically the drivers in the bonds that mm. are the fixed income side in order to help create kind of the balance uh, between volatility and stable income and principal um, protection. Yeah. So, so let me say this. I got to be quite honest with you guys. Uh, when we're talking about these, the, the key principles to improve your odds of success, you went one, number two, you know, don't try to outguess the market. Number three, resist chasing, you know, past performance. Number four, letting the markets work for you. I was fine with all those, right? I, I'm like, okay, that's something that I could kind of do. I can do that on my own. Uh, you know, I can I can resist chasing past performance. I can, you know, let the market work for me. You hit number five, and I'm like, I have to hire a professional. <laughs> I mean, we got deep in the weeds on that one, and that's great. Um, but man, I mean, it it just tells me that those are the things that you guys are doing full time, and you're working on behalf of your clients, making sure that you're keeping an eye on all this stuff. Um, Boy, this this list is getting pretty complicated. No doubt about it. And, you know, some people think it's a simple process, but it's not if you're going to be well diversified. So, you know, there is a science to investing and and but it has to be, you know, based on where the client wants to go. So it's kind of like an airplane. I mean, you either want to fly to Little Rock, Arkansas, or you want to fly to New York City. So how you design a portfolio depends where you want to go. So, mm-hmm. you know, some people don't want to get into the weeds of, you know, how does a plane fly? They just want to get there. So it's our job to make sure that it's an efficient way to go and making sure that we allocate the assets that we have the highest probability of getting to where we want to go. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and I think that, you know, when you look at, uh, you know, six and seven, practice smart diversification and avoid market timing. So Mm -hmm. at the end of the day, you know, we want to make sure we're diversified, that we've got enough assets that whatever the world throws at us, uh, that we're diversified enough and we have enough different investments moving uh, in enough different directions that we have more of a smoother ride than an extremely volatile portfolio that um, and take too, more risk than we absolutely have to. Mm-hmm. And I would you add know. to that, we just experienced that in March of 2020 because, uh, oh, yeah. you know, you looked at the airplane industry, the hotel industry, the cruise line industry. Of course, they took a huge dip. And then you had the um, the Home Depots, Office Depots, Walmarts, Amazon, Netflix. They took off. So being well diversified uh, in a, in different market, you just don't know which one's going to be up or which one's going to be down. And that's why we we believe in owning the whole market and not trying to find a needle in a haystack. Yeah, absolutely. You know, for some people, it's. Um you know, it's, it's, it's not trying to hit the home run as much as it is to, hey, I want to make sure I protect what I have, uh, really manage risk, number one. And then number two, how do I get above average returns or, or put myself in a position to at least outpace or grow with inflation and just have money grow over time? You know, uh, I always joke around and, and tell people when 
you know, we have meetings and we're trying to set the right expectations that, hey, if you're looking for somebody that's going to double your money in the next six months or a year, we're probably not the best fit. Mm-hmm. But if you want to, you know, create an investment strategy that we're extremely, that we're diversified um, and put herself in a position that, you know, we get good, steady growth over time and not have to worry about losing half of what we've got, you know, then we're probably a better fit for that. Yeah, absolutely. Now, now you mentioned avoid market timing. Kind of describe that for me. I mean, I'm assuming it's, it falls in line with what you were talking about earlier about, you know, this stock's doing good, so I'm going to try to get that now, or that stock's doing bad, so I'm going to sell out of that. Is that what you're alluding to? Um, yeah, you know, uh, the, the we always think that we should know, and we have that crystal ball of when to jump in and when to jump out. And most often it's, it's at the wrong time because usually when we're thinking about jumping in, jumping out to a particular stock or the market in general, uh, we're kind of letting our emotions dictate uh, those investment decisions. You know, we, we get very comfortable. Uh, and if you think about it, we all have the same two emotions, either fear or greed. And most of the time, it's one of those two that's triggering investment decisions. So we get really comfortable when things are going well, and what do we do? We want to buy more and more stock, more and more things that are, that are performing well. And on the opposite end, we get very, very scared uh, very quickly, and we get uneasy. And we tend to get scared and sell out when things aren't doing so well. Uh, so that philosophy of buying low, selling high usually becomes the opposite because uh, we're making those decisions based on our emotions and how we feel, and it's usually always the opposite. And I would just quick add to that is to avoid the market timing, just like he emphasized and said it two or three times, you have to actually be right twice. Hmm. Getting in, and when is it time to get out? Uh, and it depends what you're saving for. If it's something that's long term, you know, it's it's hard to be right twice. Yeah, yeah, more <laughs> likely to point. be wrong twice, I would think. Yeah, that, no, yeah, either right I mean, or wrong. That's exactly right. Yeah. And you know, which leads to number eight, like Jeff was talking about managing emotions. And you can touch on that, Jeff. Go ahead. No, I mean, I think it's it's, it's the same. I mean, it's it's you know, we buy a stock, and what does it do immediately? It goes down. And then we feel, oh, man, maybe I should have waited. Oh, now I'm getting a little nervous. Or now I'm scared. I don't want to lose any more money. And then what do we do? Then we want to sell it. And then what happens? It starts going up. And we're like, well, I'm going to wait till the next pullback. I'm going to wait till the next pullback. I'm going to wait till the next pullback. Mm -hmm. And then next thing you know what, the market's up 10 15%, and we missed out on all of it. So really, any time we can take our emotions out of the equation, uh, the more objective we can be, let the markets do what it does over time will always, always be better. Yeah, and John, Jeff, what was that one? Vanguard, John Bogle. What was that study? Uh, touch yeah, on they, that they, real quick. They do them. Um, they do them over different times. Uh, Bogle did a study. Sometimes they call them and use the Brinson study, but they they do studies over 10, 20 year periods of, of of what the market averages. But what is the average investor? What are we average investing in the same companies over the same time period? And when you look at those studies, depending on the time, it's not, you know, uh, when you when you do those studies and over a periods of time, like 20-year blocks and so forth, it's not uncommon that the difference between investment return and investor return can be 4, 5, 6%. But wait a minute. You're telling me the S&P 500 makes X, 
but your average investor only makes Y, how can that be? Well, the difference is, is, is that's the difference between investment return versus investor return. And typically results is of us jumping in and jumping out of the market, mm-hmm. and most often it's at the wrong time. Because if you think about it, it's all everything you see, which is kind of number nine or eight and nine. Manage your emotions and look beyond the headlines. But if you think about it, uh, all the news, publications, the media, front page of magazines, they have to appeal to our emotions. Mm-hmm. You know, it has to be, hey, retire rich, sell stocks now, the Great Recession's coming. Uh, but it has to be something loud enough to get your attention. You know, if I were to write an article or, or publish my own magazine, Jeff's Money Matters, and I were to say, you know, there's really no secret to success what you really need to do is just create a good diversified portfolio. Uh, let time work on your behalf. There's nothing really proven that'll predict what's going to be the best and the worst year to year. If you can just be extremely diversified, monitor money managers, and let them do you know what they do over time. You know, if you think about that, how many magazines would I sell? You know, it doesn't get anyone's attention. Yeah. So what I have to do is create an environment to where I feel that you have to feel like you're missing out, that uh, you're missing out on returns, you're missing out on secrets, you're missing out on, you know, the market's hitting new mm-hmm. highs, or I have to scare you the other direction. Exactly. Market, the bottom six going to fall out. You better buy gold now because the dollar's <laughs> going to drop 20%. You know, and unfortunately, that's what sells. Uh, yeah. They sell based on our emotions, uh, and typically that leads to very, very bad investment decisions. Yeah, absolutely. And, and when, when my children got old enough, when they started to kind of look at world events and news and things like that, I, I sat them down and had a conversation. And I said, you, you need to understand what people's motives are. You know, when, when you go to buy something, their motive is to sell you something. So they're going to try to sell you something, especially if they make a commission, right? Um, but they didn't realize that even the news they still need to sell something. They need to sell advertising space, right? They need to sell a commercial to you. And so I, I always use this example. I said, you'll, you'll see the news at four o'clock and it'll say 10 things in your refrigerator that can kill you tonight at 10. Well, <laughs> from four o'clock to 10 o'clock, I can't even go near my fridge because there's 10 things in there that are going to kill me, <laughs> you know, but they're enticing me to watch the 10 o'clock news instilling a little bit of fear, right? And a promise to save me from my own destruction in the fridge. <laughs> so... Um, you know, it was always, I always tried to make it a little bit funny for them, but it's very, very true. You, you see people trying to sell you something every day, every time you turn on the television or every time you open a, a magazine, it's just all about sales and, and people have to look through that to find the truth. And that's difficult. That's, right. that's a great point. Great point. And, you know, and, and to piggyback on that, I mean, only 22% of the U S equity mutual funds and 10% of the fixed income funds have survived and outperform the benchmarks over the last 20 years. So not, not only that, you know, do you want to be proactive, sometimes the market's going to do what it's going to do. So, you know, not trying to outguess it, like we talked about mm-hmm. on one of the second principles, but then, you know, looking beyond the headlines and trying to keep the emotions out, that's a big deal. And I think that's really what the advantage of having somebody to work with and collaborate with uh, is is I think that's probably what we do best, and that's manage people's emotions mm-hmm. and get the expectations in line to where people just, yeah, um, uh, and we're back to number eight, and that is they don't let their, we're trying to manage people's emotions. I think that's the key to uh, staying in, 
your game plan in the long term. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, which yeah, which leads to really to the last one is is you know focus on what you can control. There's so many things in life that you can't control, uh, so just focus on the things that you can. Yeah. You know, so create a plan that fits your needs and your risk tolerance. Number two, structure a portfolio with the dimensions that we talked about in order to uh, of expected returns. Number three, make sure you're diversified and even include globally because uh, there's, there's more publicly traded companies worldwide than there is in just the United States. Uh, four, make sure you're paying attention to expenses and turnover uh, and taxes and tax efficiency uh, within your investment plan. And number five, which is probably the most important, uh, just stay disciplined. Stay disciplined through the dips, through the swings. You know, understand that volatility is part of it. Uh, it's, uh, so embrace it. Uh, but I think the more you can understand those, those principles and uh, mistakes that most people make, then you kind of know, you know, what to expect and the better expectations you have uh, will lead to uh, better decisions financially and over time. Yeah. And, and I want to I hone in on something that, that Jose, you said a moment ago um, about working with a professional. Um, can, I, can I confess something to you guys? Sure, go ahead. I work with a professional because I can't, or I, I don't control the emotions very well. I don't, um, I need to let somebody else help me with that. And it goes right back to what I taught my kids when shopping for a car. Take a no man. I don't know if you've heard that phrase before, but a no man is so important when you shop for a car. My wife and I went, and this is the confession part. <laughs> my wife and I went with a budget in mind. Um, we were going to shop for a minivan. This was years ago. And our budget was $400 a month. And we got there, looked at minivans, got excited, right? Had the emotions going uh, and, and justified just about everything that we wanted. <laughs> and we walked out of there with a $680 a month payment on a leased minivan, guys. <laughs> I, I can hear you cringing. <laughs> it was the, one of the worst decisions of our life. And, and, and if I have to confess just slightly more, it was right at the end of 2007, right before 2008 hit. And we got into this $680 payment. It was ridiculous. It had three TVs um, in the van. And I'm the one that drove all the time. So what did that do for me? Nothing. <laughs> I didn't get to watch anything. Anyway, um, I think that that just kind of, it, it always hit home for me that I'm susceptible to the, the emotions of things or the excitement of things. And I think it's important to have another set of eyes on it, somebody that can kind of walk with you down this path. And so that's what I, I'm, I'm so thankful that you guys are doing that for each one of your clients. Um, if somebody's listening to this and saying, yeah, this is, uh, I hated seeing what the market did last year. It made me queasy. It, uh, you know, my emotions were up, my stress level was up and I'd like to have somebody, you know, that can kind of walk beside me and say, Hey, we've got a plan in place. Um, you guys, you are the guys to do that. So two things, how do they get a hold of this document so they can look at it and how do they talk to you about it? And, and just and two things that are really important. I just want to stress on on top of what you said. Yeah. Why do we do these podcasts? You know, the things that's really important to me is just to become a resource to everybody. And and these ten steps that we want to we want to help everybody, whether they do business with us or not, that mm -hmm. doesn't matter. The point is becoming a resource, helping people f prevent them from making the big mistakes. And um, I just can't imagine not working with somebody. I mean, even when I train with a trainer, I just can't do more on my own than mm -hmm. I can 
when I'm training with a trainer and when I work out. And um, so there's two types of people. One will say, hey, why in the world would I uh, hire you to do something when I could do it myself? And they're, they're so right. And then there's another type of uh, folks that says, why in the hell would I do it myself if I could hire you to do it? So they're both right, and it just depends what you're looking for. But the bottom line is we want to help everybody and become a resource to everybody. So, Yeah, so if you're, so if you're outside of Tyler or outside of Texas, uh, you can reach us at 1-800-436-1213, uh, or you can reach us at 903-533-8585, or visit our website at www.felicianofinancial.com. That's F-E-L-I-C-I-A-N-O financial.com. All right, guys, that was great information. Uh, Jeff, thank you so much for giving the contact information out. Uh, as you're listening to this, just write this down. The The brochure is pursuing a better investment experience. And all you have to do is just when you email or when you call, just ask for that. And I know that they'd be happy to email that out to you or send it to you. Uh, guys, thank you so much for your time today. You bet. Really enjoyed it. Absolutely. All right. Well, and of course, the last thank you goes to you listening audience. Thank you so much for tuning in and listening to the Live Life on Purpose podcast with Jose and Jeff Feliciano. If you have not subscribed to the podcast yet, please click the subscribe now button below. This way, when the guys come out with a new podcast, it'll show up directly on your listening device. This makes it much easier to share these podcasts with your friends and family. Again, thanks for listening today. For everyone at Feliciano Financial, this is Eric Johnson reminding you to live life on purpose. Thank you for listening to Live Life on Purpose with Jose and Jeff Feliciano. Click the subscribe button below to be notified when new episodes become available. The information covered and posted represents the views and opinions of the guest and does not necessarily represent the views or opinions of Feliciano Financial Group. The content has been made available for informational and educational purposes only. The content is not intended to be a substitute for professional investing advice. Always seek the advice of your financial advisor or other qualified financial service provider with any questions you may have regarding your investment planning.